Thank God, thank God, thank God that 2019 is over. Man, I'll take a global pandemic over a church split any day of the week. In 2020, it was like God blew the whistle and just said, all right, everybody out of the pool. And we all just retreated to our homes and to Netflix and to quarantine. And to be honest, it was good for me. I needed the break. 2020 was a year of recovery for me and for so many people, even though we were in the middle of this pandemic. Stick around and I'll tell you all about it. I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. So at the beginning of 2020, again, we were, we were just wanting to get so far away from 2019 and all the mess that was associated with that. We were encouraged and excited about whatever this new church thing that was going to be coming together, you know, was going to look like. And, you know, we're still just kind of meeting at uh, Flyway Brewery or at the Innovation Hub and at these kind of small like, like places. And, you know, it was sort of uncertain, but there was a lot of excitement and hope about it. And in February of 2020, uh, I got a call from a good buddy of mine, another photographer, a guy named Dero. And Dero called me, and sometimes he'll have me come and shoot for him or like in his place for different things, or he'll just hire me to do different things. And he called me uh, because he needed a second shooter at this event that he was shooting up in Bentonville uh, for the opening of this new like art gallery um, sort of venue community space thing called The Momentary. I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, yeah, great. Let's, you know, I'm, I'm always down to shoot with Dero. So, in February, I go up to Bentonville, and my little brother Scram and his wife Rachel and their kids live up there, so I'm always excited to go hang with them anyway. So went up to Bentonville, crashed at Scram's house, and me and D-Row shoot this thing for like, I think it was three days. And, um, and, and so it was just like the opening. It was this, this big event. There was all these like VIPs you know, going to be there, all the Waltons, all the Tyson people, all the J.B. Hunt people. There was lots and lots of super duper rich people um, at this event, as well as just like kind of the general public. It was kind of the preview opening and you had to have like tickets or whatever. And it was really cool. It was just like an art gallery and it was like this modern art and there's just kind of amazing, um, you know, like tapestries and sculptures and like visual sort of experiential pieces. And there was all this different live music happening uh, throughout this, you know, long weekend. And there was um, there was just like performances and, and just it was just really fun. Like the energy was up high and there was just lots of excitement in the room and there was not in the room, but in the space you know, in the air, in and out of this place. It was just really cool. And there was, you know, lots of, um, you know, media coverage and stuff. And people were just psyched about it. And at this point, you know, COVID wasn't even a thing, you know. I mean, it was it was kind of something that people were somewhat concerned about, like, you know, in the news coming out of China and things like that. But it wasn't really hitting hard in the United States yet. And it was just a fun event. And I just remember like that being kind of the last big thing that I did um, that year, like in terms of an event or even like a gathering of any real size. Um, and, and the coolest parts of that event were there was three bands that played that kind of just blew me away. One was this girl, Courtney Barnett. 
Um, if you don't know Courtney Barnett, you know, listen to her. She's, she's just really cool. She's done a lot of stuff with um, Kurt Vile. And if you don't know Courtney Barnett, just check her out. She's really freaking cool. She's kind of like this indie kind of rock sort of chick um, and uh, just kind of has this like attitude that's just really cool. And I hadn't really ever listened to her before, but, um, but she was awesome. I saw her three nights in a row. This other band, FM Belfast, had never heard of them before. They're from Iceland. And everybody was saying like, oh, this is going to be a huge show. It's like really visual and really wild. And this band is just like high energy, such sort of party atmosphere. And oh my gosh, they were so right. I was, I had so much fun at these FM Belfast shows. They played in like, I think two or three different sort of locations within this venue over the course of the weekend. And it was just like so much fun. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, it was parties. They were throwing streamers and balloons out and, and, you know, it was just wild. Everybody was having a freaking great time. And of course, there's like free drinks flowing and stuff. And it was just such a fun, fun party. And then um, the keyboard player from FM Belfast also did his own, you know, musical performance um, under the name Hermit Gervel. And he was doing these like, um, just kind of out in the art galleries, he would set up his stuff. And it was like, electronic sort of looping and keys and and just sort of you know like wild kind of primal sort of electronic vibe kind of music and it was just super super cool Hermit Gervel and so those three acts like really kind of uh marked that event for me in my mind like just the fun of it and, and my brother and his wife came and we met some other friends there and just just had an absolute blast um shooting this thing and uh, and then like we got home from that and then it was like oh covid is real absolutely very real i mean and literally this event at the momentary was like it, in my mind it was like the last time that i saw people without masks on you know in, in a long time and so we get home and covid is is happening you know and at first it's like okay well what is this what's the real deal you know nowadays there's so much alternative viewpoints coming through the news it's like what do you really believe you know what's really true and you know i'm pretty much a, i'm skeptical anyway but you know looking at it reading about it hearing about it and it's like damn this seems like uh it's kind of a big one you know it's kind of a big deal and of course it turned out to be a huge deal, you know, but, you know, at, at the beginning of March, it was still like, it was like, this is a big deal, but how big of a deal is it? You know, how many um, cases are there here and there, whatever, you know, you remember that stuff. And at the same time, I was uh, wrapping up a project that I had been working on kind of off and on for about three years, where I was um, making a, a campground map of the state of Arkansas. It originally started as an idea to to do a, a full guidebook of the state of Arkansas and all the public campgrounds in the state. I was going to visit every single one of them. I was going to take pictures about them, write about them, rank them, and write, you know, a proper guidebook of, of all the campgrounds in the state. And pretty quickly, well, the first thing I did actually was I, I laid them out in, in a map form just so I could get my head around like where they all were. And, you know, I was, I, I did all the research and then I put them on the map and then I was like, all right, I need to figure out where they are so that I can sort of map out how I'm going to visit them all. And then I, when I had the map, I was like, well, actually this is pretty cool by itself. Like just the map 
you know, because that hadn't ever existed before. And so in March of 2020, I was kind of wrapping up. I basically decided to scrap the, the uh, guidebook idea and just perfect this map idea that I had been playing with. And so in March of that year, I was, I was sort of finishing up the um, design and the layout and the, the visual look of the map itself with the idea being that I was going to get it printed and, and release it as like a, a, a folded big map of the state of Arkansas that has all the campgrounds on it. Um, and so I'm wrapping that up in March. I think it was like the second or third week of March I had finished the design. I had I had contacted my buddy Chuck at this local print company. He was going to be printing the maps for me. And about the second week of March, I, I had the maps printed and picked them up. And, and it was like almost the day of or the day before I pr- picked up the maps was the day that like Arkansas got shut down um, with COVID. And like they, they just they just shut it down. And it was like they, they closed the schools and it was like, mask mandate and it was like this is here and it's a big deal and people were dying and I, re- I remember that being like the same week that I picked up these maps I think my first order of the maps was was a thousand maps and it's this big 24 by 36 folded map if you don't have it yet if you're interested in camping in Arkansas or you just want to see it you can find it at camparkansas.co and so uh, I started this this whole like company based on this map, and then everything shut down. And it was just the the timing of it was wild because I didn't realize it at the time, but my photography business was going to just dry up completely, as well as you know so many businesses. And this Camp Arkansas map and company that I was putting out um, was going to end up really helping to supplement our income during this time way more than I even expected it to. I I thought, you know, maybe I'll break even on these maps. And it turned out that, you know, I I sold those thousand, those first thousand really quick. And then it expanded into all these other things. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But in March of that year, it was like COVID plus Camp Arc starting, you know, for me, slash photography starting to dry up, you know. And so, people start calling me that had booked me for photo jobs and they're, they're canceling things. And I, you know, I was shooting all these events and the events are all canceled and, you know, it's just like, Ooh, what are we going to do here? But, you know, like I said, at the same time, I've got some, a little bit of income coming in from the maps. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of the situation in the spring, you know, that the, the school gets out. I think they had like, it was the, it was the week before spring break, and I think they went to school like two or three days that week. And then they just called it and they were like, school is out. School is done, <laughs> you know, and we will discuss if we're coming back after spring break. And everybody's wondering, like, are they going to come back or not? And uh, and so for spring break that year, we had um, a big camping trip booked with with a bunch of friends, a huge group of people out to Village Creek State Park. And we go out to that camping trip and it was like, we're all texting each other on the camping text chain. And it's like, well, okay, what do you guys think about COVID? Are you coming? Are you not coming? We had a guy that worked at a hospital where they had COVID patients there. And he's like, I don't know if I'm going to come. And people were getting nervous and, you know, and rightly so. It was the time to step back and go and kind of reassess, you know, what you're doing, what your plans are. And, you know, because at this point, 
we just didn't really know. We, you know, people were dying left and right when the numbers were crazy, and the governor's coming out on on the news and the radio every day saying the new numbers, and it was scary. You know, you guys remember. And so we had this camping trip, and that was kind of like if if the momentary opening in February was like the last big event, like the fun thing, like the live music thing, uh, the last one of those that I did. This camping trip over spring break was definitely the last big camping trip that we did for a long, long time. And so it was like all those things just kind of came to a halt, you know. And, you know, if you haven't uh, noticed yet uh, or picked up on it yet, if you're interested in the Enneagram at all, you might uh, you might be wondering what my Enneagram number is. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, but my Enneagram number is a seven. I'm a seven uh, with the wing eight. Um, and... You know, basically that means that um, I'm a guy that likes to have like experiences, um, excitement, fun, fun, fun all the time. Get everybody together and have as much fun as you can possibly have all the time. That's just kind of my personality type. Um, and, And so for all the live music to go away and all the big group gatherings to go away, and all the big camping trips to go away, and all of the like having you know, three or four different families over for dinner to go away. And all that stuff just kind of came to a halt. And I didn't really know how I felt about it at the time. You know, sometimes it takes me a while to like process how I'm really feeling. And, you know, at first it was like, oh, geez, like, this really sucks. Like a lot of the fun stuff is kind of going away. But at the same time, it was kind of a relief. You know, I, I needed a break from being like the party motivator, you know, from being the hype man, you know, I needed to retreat a little bit and just kind of heal up, you know, from the previous year and all the freaking drama and the mess of all that. Meanwhile, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but in the fall of 2019, I started um, seeing a, a counselor, a therapist and you know, just talking to him was good. And, um, you know, he, he, he kind of jokes and says that he specializes, um, in people that have been like messed up by church drama, you know, and a lot of people from our church were going to see him and, and it was just really good to, you know, he was just asking questions and listening and asking, you know, it was just good to kind of, well, just have that experience. If you, if you've never done that before, just go do it, you know, it's not going to hurt anything, you know, you're going to feel better about it, it's good to have somebody that's there to just to kind of listen to you and, and, and stuff, and so I'd been seeing a counselor, I'd been on anxiety medication, and, you know, but I still needed to do some sort of personal, like, healing and settling and stuff, and so in that sense, even though COVID was tough, to it was tough to lose all that fun stuff, it was good for me to sort of have a forced hiatus from from all that stuff and so I I had gone from organizing and all these things and sort of always being around like all the action to like not only am I not around all the action there's no action to be involved in it's just kind of flat and it was it was good you know and like I said at that point like the photography jobs just dried up and and so now you know we kind of just um settle into like quarantine quarantine life and so I'm at home, kids are at home, my wife, you know, stays at home, and photography's not really happening. 
I'm working on my little camp arc business and building that up and I'm kind of expanding and growing and I'm adding things like stickers and hats and, you know, just kind of different fun stuff and just kind of playing with it and putting a little bit of money into it and seeing, you know, what hits and what doesn't and, and, you know, like creating a a social media platform for it and kind of just having fun with that. And so that was kind of, that was my fun like project, you know, and also at the same time, I was, um, I'm just a a creative person and I, I need to, I need to be involved with people and making people happy in one way or another. And I started this little thing where I was um, drawing pictures of people on my iPad with my little Apple pencil. You know, people like I would take a photo and like draw a picture based on that photo, you know, like just kind of sketch it and then kind of color it in on the on the iPad. And I started selling those to people for 10 bucks, you know, and said, hey, if you want a little sketch of yourself, Venmo me 10 bucks, text me a picture and I will make a sketch of it and send it back to you. And people were like, great. And it was like, all right, sweet. And I was making like a pretty good little chunk of side money on that, you know, and, you know, it, 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 I enjoy those kinds of things where like, let me see if I can get people excited about this idea. And so that was fun too. So I'm working on Camp Arc, I'm drawing pictures of people, I'm playing with my kids and stuff. And that was kind of it. And at the same time, my uh my sister-in-law moogie came down um to stay with us and i gotta tell you about moog um i call her my sister-in-law um but in reality she's um she's way more than that she's we're close like brother and sister um and she's truly like uh just a best best friend for me i just freaking love moog so much um, I, I, we became friends back when I moved to Guatemala and originally in 2003 when she was like 12 years old and we stayed pretty tight, you know, from there on. But in the, these past, you know, four or five years or whatever, you know, we've just kind of grown even closer and closer. And Moogie had come down to Arkansas at some point, you know, maybe in March of that year, just to see us like before COVID really kind of hit hard. And then, then, you know, it was like lockdown time and quarantine time. And so she ended up staying with us for three months, which was so freaking fun. Like, you know, you kind of think about like, who do you want to have to quarantine with? Like she would have been at the top of my list anyway, you know, just, just to be a buddy and, and her and Makai are close. My kids love her and she's an amazing cook as well and baker. And so I'm just, I feel like super lucky. Like I've got my wife and I've got one of my best friends slash sister at the house with me and they're both amazing cooks and, you know, they're both just fun and, and me and Moogie can kind of, you know, punch each other and stuff and I, I kind of get to get that out with her so that I don't have to bother Micaiah with it because she didn't want to be punched and poked like I like to do and so it's just kind of this perfect dynamic of you know a little little family squad you know and so Moogie's living in our basement and it was it was quarantine you know it was just the beginning of quarantine nobody really knew how long it was going to go nobody knew what it was going to be like it was like don't go out, stay at home, stay at home, you know, don't go out to eat. I mean, the restaurants are closed anyway. And so it was just quarantine time and it was fun. It was totally fun. I mean, we freaking loved it. Um, I mean, I did. And we're just making good food. We're doing puzzles at the house. 
me and Moog are doing these like little projects. I built a tree house out, out in the back of my house. I helped her build like this cool climbing hangboard. I had the dartboard set up out there. And like, you know, two or three nights a week, if not more than that, me and Micaiah and Moogie would just be out in the garage drinking beer, throwing darts, listening to music, just having fun. It was like our own little personal bar you know, hangout spot. And, and we just had such a blast. We got really good at darts. And, you know, I, I always love time. Um, the times like that when like, it's, um, it's not just like a normal everyday sort of hangout. It's like there's extenuating circumstances that make it feel different, you know, almost like you're almost like the feeling of when you're snowed in, you know, that's what it felt like. And it was just really awesome. And, and, and if we weren't outside playing darts, we'd be inside watching some show together, just laughing, just being silly. And uh, one of my favorite memories from that time period was, you know, I, I play video games kind of off and on on the, on the PlayStation. And at that point, I was playing um, this game, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, with a couple of buddies you know, we would put on the headsets and, and uh, play Warzone. And, and all of our wives one night decided to get on and try to play it themselves. And it was just so freaking funny because Micaiah's basically never played video games in her life. Neither have these other ladies, really. Um, it was uh, Micaiah, Emily, and Melanie uh, all get on at their own houses with their headsets. And, like... I just can't tell you how much fun it was for me to just sit there and watch Micaiah. And they're literally just in the load screen, like like where they had squatted up. And they're just, Micaiah's laughing so hard that she's not even making a sound. She's just like wheezing and like can't catch her breath. I don't know what the girls are saying to her in the headset, but like they're just cracking each other up so much. And me and Moog are sitting there watching them just like, oh my gosh, you guys are insane. And they literally, then they get into a game and like, you know, they're just terrible. They're walking into walls. Like they don't know how to pick things up. They're just, it's just so stupid and funny. And that was just kind of the vibe, you know, and, and just, just hanging out at night and just laughing our asses off, you know, and, and just playing with the kids and, you know, it was just like free, you know, it was just weird. Um, and the kids start doing homeschool like th through the rest of that year, which was kind of clunky and awkward, but you know, we figured it out. And sooner or later, I don't really remember when, but, you know, the governor of Arkansas and, and, and really most of the state governments, as far as I know, start implementing um, like an unemployment program where they're just like sending out free money to people so that, you know, to shore up the economy. And so they're, you know, now I'm getting, you know, unemployment checks again for the second time in my life. Um, and I got these PPP loans. I got one earlier in the year and one later in the year. And that helped a ton, these small business um, loans to just kind of help people to be able to pay their employees. And I was my own employee. So, you know, it worked out for me. And we put the mortgage on a deferment plan. And it was like, we were okay. Like we had money coming in. And, you know, it was like, it was strange. Like, your country, your government is so ridiculous and like stupid and bad so much of the time. But then like something like this happens and it's like, golly, I'm thankful to be in America. You know, I mean, that was my feeling about it anyway. And so, you know, during this time, not, not only because of COVID, but also because of the church drama that had sort of happened the previous year, our social circle just kind of like, just kind of shrunk down to just um, a very small group of people. Um, and so we were basically just hanging out with, 
you know, our little crew and Moog was here and we would hang out with our friends, the Holmes and our neighbors, the McCormicks. And, you know, we would hang out with uh, the Whitley's a little bit, but they, they were pretty COVID cautious. And so we would do like zoom hangouts, you know, everybody was on zoom and we'd get together and hang out on zoom. And, and, uh, I remember for that year we had like everybody's birthday in that group of people, we would like get together on Zoom and celebrate the birthdays. And for whatever reason, we decided to start doing, uh, we would like do read-throughs of TV show episodes that we liked. Almost all of the ones that we did were, were from The Office. And I think it was Andrew's idea, but you know, it was like his birthday and he's like, I wanna do a read-through of this Office script. He went through and like assigned people you know, roles. And so it was just really fun to sit there and you make a few drinks and you sit there and you read through this episode of The Office. And it was just, it's just great. We, we cracked ourselves up and, and just had fun with it. You know, we, we made the most of it. And in one sense, it was sad to kind of lose a lot of relationships and, and sort of, you know, those friendships that kind of just dry up a little bit when you're in the situation like this, not, not for any reason at all, other than, you know, there's a quarantine, you can't really hang out. And, you know, it's like the, the people that you love to see, but you don't really, um, you know, go out of your way to see them. It was just weird to see the social circle just kind of shrink up like it did. But it was good, you know, just again, so that I could kind of, you know, heal up a little bit and, and stuff. And, and I was surrounded, you know, by some other really close friends that were, you know, just kind of nearby, just sort of stuck with us. And our, our kids are friends with each other. And, and it just kind of made sense to kind of shrink it down into this little group of people. And summer rolls around and it was like, everybody was wondering, like, is the pool going to open? You know, because around here, like, in the summertime, we're at the pool. You know, that's just kind of the way it is. We go to the pool pretty much every day. And so eventually they decide that they are going to open the pool and it's going to be, you know, a, there's going to be like no guests allowed. And, you know, there were some rules that they tried to implement like that, but like they didn't really um, enforce any of them. And it was basically just a normal summer at the pool, which was awesome. Um, You know, you kind of do a little bit more social distancing, you know, than, than normal, but Otherwise, you're kind of just at the pool hanging, you know. And so the the summer felt fairly normal in that sense, you know. And we're still, you know, hanging out with these close friends over Zoom and stuff like that. And eventually Moogie has to uh, move back to Colorado. You know, she had to get back to her normal life and stuff. And so she, you know, once we realized that, you know, COVID was here to stay, it was like, all right, we need to make some some solid plans on on how we're going to do things. And so she, she she had to leave. And that was that was a bummer. But you know, it was fun while it lasted, you know, and and so we had our summer at the pool. And, and that was cool. You know, it was it was a good time. And then before long, the you know, fall semester kind of rolls around. And me and Makai were talking about like, well, do we send our kids to school or not? You know, and my thought was school is going to get shut down again almost immediately, you know, due to COVID. So let's just go ahead and enroll them in like a digital school so that they're just like set up for it and ready. And, and we'll just plan on doing that because we were sure that the school was going to get shut down and we didn't want to make our kids have to wear masks at school and stuff. And But the schools were going to open. And so, you know, a lot of kids went and we decided to do the homeschool thing or the virtual school, whatever. So that was kind of, it was a tough conversation, but we agreed on it. And, and so fall semester starts and we kind of get our kids situated with their homeschool stuff. And the two older kids were doing virtual school online and 
and Rosie was doing like traditional homeschool with Micaiah downstairs. And, you know, it, it was, it was all right. Like we got, we got into the, the groove of it and everything. And then we start thinking, Hey, we've got all this freedom. We can do this remotely. You don't have any photo jobs going on. Um, why don't we just take off? Let's go on a big camping trip. Let's get out of here. You know, let's, let's go do homeschool from wherever we feel like it, you know? So we start to plan this trip and we're thinking, you know, we're going to make this pretty close to the one we did back in 2018. Maybe not as big, but we're going to, we're going to do another big giant trip. Why not? Let's, let's get out of here and do it. And let's do it in the fall. We don't normally get a chance to do that. Like when are we going to have another opportunity to just take our kids, you know, in like September, you know, when they're supposed to be in school and go, go see places, you know. So we start building this trip and, you know, I, I think it was early September that, no, it was, it was the middle of September that we packed up and we hit the road and headed out west again, you know, with the camper just loaded up and, and, you know, the excitement is building for it again, you know, and when we head out towards Colorado and our first stop was this little campground um, outside of Telluride. And I can't remember the name of the campground. I've got it written down somewhere, but it was just beautiful. It just felt so good to just be back <laughs> and just out there again. It just felt so good to just be back out there again. Um, and it was it was Rosie's birthday, um, September 17th. It was like either the first or second night that we were out at this campground in Colorado. And we were it was a first come, first serve campground, so we weren't sure we were going to get a spot but we got one. It turned out to be kind of the prime spot of this little campground that we were in. It was it was just beautiful, aspen trees and alpine lakes and just magic and and I remember on that first night or second night on Rosie's birthday, she wanted to eat ramen for her birthday meal and so we made up some amazing ramen and it's just we're just back to it, you know, like back to camping, back to exploring back to boondocking out there in the woods man no power no water just out there it just feels so right to just be out there doing it man and during the day we would go into telluride um so the kids would do could do their homeschool and so it was just so fun and and i remember posting some pictures and a friend of mine said you know you should call it rome school you know because we were out there roaming around it's like yeah that's right it's rome school and so we go into Telluride and we go to the little um, library there, little public library, and we go in there and they have Wi-Fi and, and we just sat down. The kids set up their little Chromebooks and did their virtual school in the library and Micaiah and Rosie would work on their little homeschool stuff. And it was just cool. And I, and I could sit there with my computer and kind of just, you know, catch up on emails and, and do some design work. I was, I was kind of dabbling in some graphic design stuff at the time and kind of learning that and still am. And it was just like, it, it was like one of those moments where you just look around and you're like, you know, it's like my life is dope and I do dope shit. <laughs> you know, like Kanye says, uh, it just feels good. Like my family's freaking cool, man. Um, what kid can say that, you know, they did homeschool from a library in Telluride. It's just like, this is so freaking cool, man. Why, why, why don't people just do this more? And some people do, but it's not common, right? And so, um, just that time in Telluride was just, just really amazing. And, you know, I think it's important to note that at this time, I mentioned it earlier, but like, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on myself, you know, I'm kind of watching the, um, the anxiety and I'm on the anxiety medication and 
I'm just like super well in tuned now with how I'm feeling and sort of the warning signs of something and just trying to calm myself down and keep um, keep it together, you know, in some ways. And, and so that was very much on my mind and it was, it was good. I was feeling better, um, but not at all back to normal. And if you've ever been on anxiety medication of any kind, you know that it's, you feel normal, but it's sort of like normal with an asterisk. You know, that's what it felt like to me. But it, and if that's what you need, to, to, to be cool, by all means do it. But in my mind, that's just what it felt like. Um, and I, it wasn't back to normal all the way, but it was better, you know. It was definitely better. Colorado, we pack it up and we head back to Utah. Utah is just so freaking beautiful, man. So freaking beautiful. And we go to um, this campground just outside of Salt Lake City. Um, that my buddy Eric told me about, and we, we drive up into the hills and camp at this spot, and I don't remember the name of it right now, but it was just beautiful. Had an amazing time there. See all these moose again. For some reason, moose are just so magical. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's like the largest mammal in North America, but it's just beautiful and amazing to see a moose just out there munching on some grass and stuff, and, 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 in, in Utah, I remember, um, we did this at every spot along the way, but in Utah specifically, I remember um, attending the, um, the Zoom church meetings. Because um, we, at this point, Refuge had kind of, you know, we had established ourselves as a group of people that was going to stick together, our little church. And, but, you know, everybody was just meeting on Zoom. So we would tune in to the Zoom meeting, you know, from the campground, you know, and, you know, it's just fun to like kind of still be in your little community, but be out there in the world, you know, you know, exploring and doing stuff. And from Utah, we head on to Idaho. Idaho is a new state for us. We had never been there before. I heard all about it from my friends, Nate and Jake, who grew up there. And it was just like this little hidden secret. Like I just, I knew about it. I'd seen the documentaries about it, but I'd never been there. And in Idaho, we had rented a house um, with my brother Hunter and his wife Kim and their kids Levin and, their, and Noah, their new little girl Noah. And we were super excited to get to go out there and hang out with them. They came in from Seattle. They had moved from California up to Seattle at that point. And they drove in from Seattle and met us uh, there in Idaho at this little, um, little house in Clayton, Idaho, right on the Salmon River. Right, right across the street from the Salmon River, but it was just right there. And we were there for, I don't know, four or five nights maybe, and it, we just had such a freaking great time just kind of hunkering down with them, hanging out with the niece and the nephew. I went fly fishing on the Salmon River a bunch of times. Just had a freaking blast. Just beautiful, beautiful, magical, beautiful staying up at night, playing board games with Hunter and Kim, eating dinner outside on these little picnic tables, you know, with just wine and bread and olive oil and just good food and just kind of celebrating and, um, you know, just celebrating being together and kind of, you know, in, in the midst of a difficult time, it's just good to have those little moments of beauty, you know. And and the little house we were staying in was just kind of this little... Um, little kind of ranch style property and there was horses there and the kids like picked out names for the horses. They're, they were like in a pen that belonged to a neighbor, but every morning the kids would go and pet the horses. And it was just so fun to see them just kind of running free and exploring and stuff. And then right next to the horse pen, 
the hills kind of really started up from there, um, you know, in sort of the lower part of the Sawtooth Mountains there in Idaho. And there was this kind of mountain. It wasn't really, I mean, yeah, it was a mountain. It was absolutely a mountain um, right there kind of across the way from our house. And me and Wynn had been looking at that mountain and he's like, Dad, do you think we could climb that? I want to climb that. Let's climb that. He kept talking about it. I was like, one morning I was like, Wynn, you want to climb that mountain today? And he's like, yeah. So we pack a little backpack and, uh, and, and you know, set out to climb this mountain. And in our minds, it was like, all right, this will take us a couple hours. You know, it, it wasn't huge. It wasn't huge. But, but, but you know, it was a little bit of, a, a, of an expedition. And, and I had a, uh, I carried with me like this little rope, like a little, um, probably an eight millimeter line you know, just in case, just, and also just to kind of make it seem more, you know, intense, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and we started up this mountain and like, sure enough, we actually needed that rope. There was a section of like scree that was just really, really loose. And so I tied my, me and Wynn tied to each other and, you know, we climbed this section of scree where we're falling and slipping. And I was just thinking, you know, if he starts to slip and gets out of control, I got to be able to get a hold of him. And so we climbed this mountain and, we keep going and it ends up taking us a long time. We had, you know, we didn't have enough water. We had some snacks and we eventually like just keep trekking and trekking and trekking to make it to the summit of this mountain. And it was just such a cool like victory, you know, like such a cool like spur of the moment adventure with my kid, you know, and it's so fun to be in those kinds of situation and situations and just be like encouraging each other. And he's, he's such a great encourager anyway. And he's saying, good job, dad. You know, and I'm like, yes, all right, like, this is so cool, man. So we climb the mountain and, you know, end up calling down to the house, you know, on the phone from the top of the mountain. And, you know, it was just cool. And, and we hiked down. It ends up taking us forever, but it was just a beautiful, like, special moment with Wynn. And when we get down to the mountain, the, the rest of the crew is kind of loaded up or getting loaded up, and they're wanting to go out to the hot springs. Uh, and so we're like, sweet, let's go. So we, we put on the swimsuits, jump in the car, and we head out to the hot springs um, on the Salmon River, just, uh, I don't know, 10 miles up the road or whatever. And we get up to the spot, and, and it was really cool because on the Salmon River, um, which is like a super cold trout stream, there's also these hot springs that like pour into the river. And the river will like cool that water back off pretty quickly. Um, if it's, if it just kind of dissipates, but what people have done is they've built up these kind of rock, um, like just with the river rock, these kind of rock pools, like tubs, like holding areas for the hot water to flow into. And then using the, you know, just in the river itself and then using those rocks, you can kind of block out the cold water and then kind of arrange them and stack them so that you get the right mix of of cool water and hot water because the, the hot water is way too hot, you know, without being diluted a little bit. And so you can kind of create your perfect little temperature pool. And we go down there uh, with the whole crew and the kids and the babies and everything. And we just chill out in the hot springs for a while and there's other people there and you kind of, it's kind of fun to find your little spot and it's the right temperature for you and just lay there and, couple different times, um, you know, while we were down there, um, I would kind of get out and go over into the, into the icy part of the river and kind of do a little ice bath. I had gotten into ice baths at this time. My friend Ben had gotten me into doing ice baths, um, uh, back at home and I was just wanting them and needing them. I've, I've kind of become like, I don't want to say addicted to it, but just, um, I, I really love the ice bath sort of idea. Just, 
it's an amazing, amazing thing um, that it does to you kind of physiologically, but also like mentally and emotionally and spiritually even like just to be in the ice water. Um, it's, it's all about kind of dealing with stress and anxiety. It really helps you deal with your stress and anxiety. It feels amazing. You feel like freaking Superman, like freaking Conor McGregor, you know, after a fight, like you just feel like a superhero. And, uh, and so I just needed an ice bath. So I'd go off and, and, and get off in the salmon river and just sit in the ice in the cold, cold water there and, and just have that, that just excellent, you know, fresh water, like you're freaking alive kind of feeling, you know, and it's just amazing. And from the, uh, Clayton house there in Idaho, we had one day where we went up to Redfish Lake. It was a little bit of a drive, but we really wanted to go see Redfish Lake. Micaiah had found it online and, and you know everybody's like you got to go to redfish and so we go up to redfish lake i could do a whole episode just about the redfish lake you know part of this trip but i mean it's just beautiful it's like a resort kind of vibe up there there's this lodge and it's just beautiful and we get a ferry and go across the lake to this other side and hike around and there's massive waterfalls and it was just one of those days that was just pure beauty and just, just wonderment and awesomeness. And the kids are exploring. And, you know, if you're a parent, there's pretty much nothing cooler than to see the look of wonderment on your kid's face. You know, whether it's exploring just the, the big sights and the mountains and the trees in the distance or coming in really close and kind of zooming in and finding some strange little bug or critter or seeing a little marmot run by or... You know, just the, the way that the lichen looks on the rocks and the moss and the way it grows and the, the odd little mushrooms that pop up. Just just having kids that are into that is just, you know, I, it's just one of the great treasures and prides of my life, you know, that I've got kids that appreciate nature like I do and the wonderment and beauty of it, you know. So being up at Redfish Lake was just amazing. And on another day, we, we take another little side trip up to Bay Horse Lake. Um, this, this, we didn't really, it was like we just had nothing to do during the days, really. So we would just do these little day trips. And we go up to Bay Horse Lake and we're checking it out. And we get out of the car and it was really cold that day. But for some reason, me and Micaiah were both just like feeling just excited um, and inspired by the, this lake and the beauty around us. And, and we get up there, and I remember, like, we wanted to go check it out, but everybody was, like, kind of cold, and it was a little misty, and they just kind of wanted to stay in the car, and that was cool. Um, but we just wanted to take in the beauty for a minute. And I got my fly rod out, and I'm fishing a little bit on the lake, and Makai's just out there with me, and and she's like, you know, we, we were kind of torn because it was clear that, like, the other people in, you know, in the group kind of just wanted to take off um, and, or, or stay in the cars. Um, and we really wanted to walk around the lake. It wasn't huge, but you could clearly like walk around it. And she's like, I really want to walk around. I was like, let's do it, babe. Like we're here. We're not going to be back here for a, a long time. If ever, let's walk around the damn lake, you know? So she's like, really, you know? And so we, we just, we just do it together. It was like no big deal. It took us probably 20 minutes. Um, but it was just so fun for me to, it's always so fun for me to um, continue to fall in love with my wife, man, my lady, um, my 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 buddy, my partner, my my companion, um, and it, it's just 
you guys have heard me talk about it before, but I just love, love, love to see this look of wonder and amazement on my wife's face, man. It is, it is one of the most exciting, uh, satisfying things, you know, just just to see her happy, man. It makes me happy. And so we just had this beautiful kind of moment of walking around this lake together. And it was just, just beautiful, man. Just the beauty of it all. And and just being there with family, just as a um, just just to exit the the um, the COVID world for a second, and just kind of be out there in nature again, man. Nature is always inspiring to me because it's always the same, man. All the bullshit that humans do in the world, and all the fighting and shit that we do, just doesn't seem to affect it. You know, it's just always the same. Now, yeah, you can get into how humans are responsible for climate change, and that's absolutely correct. But you, you know. Just being out there, you just forget about all that stuff for a second, you know. I do, and that's it's just good, man. So anyway, we have to leave Idaho after a beautiful, amazing week there. We hug everybody, and we drive out to the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. This was a place I've been wanting to go for a extremely long time. Even before I wanted to go to Yosemite, I wanted to go to the Grand Tetons. So we, we drive from Idaho over to Wyoming and we cross the state line into Wyoming and we were gonna camp at this little like free first come first serve. It wasn't even really a campground. It was just kind of a dispersed camping like area, like designated where like you can camp here. And it wasn't inside the national park. Um, it was kind of around a mountain sort of area from the national park, but it was really close. And you know, it looked cool. So we decided to go there and camp. And so we found this cool little spot there and, and, uh, it was really, it was definitely the most like secluded campground we had been to. Um, there was only a few other people camping in the area, but like we couldn't even see them from where we were camped. And so we had our own little spot and it was, it was truly like, um, boondocking, you know, in the sense that like, there's no, um, you know, infrastructure at all. There's no roads. There was a fire ring and there was a bear box that you could put some stuff in, but that was it. And that, yeah, that is infrastructure, I guess, but it was pretty bare bones. I mean, there's no, there's not even like established, you know, spots to camp. It was just kind of like, here's an obvious spot. Here's an obvious spot. So we found this cool spot and, you know, and there's this Creek running through the campground and it was really cool to just kind of be like really far away from everybody you know, at this place. And the kids were just immediately got out of the car and they're just like exploring and running around. And, and I remember like one of the funny things was like, we decided pretty early on because there was no bathroom, you know, we're going to have to establish an area to use the bathroom out here, you know? And so the kids, um, just like disappeared, you know, one afternoon for a while and they're out in the woods and you can hear them laughing again, like so cool for me and Makai to be like, sitting out by the camper just reading and just hearing like laughter from the, the forest, you know, of our kids' voices. And they're just getting along so well. And yeah, you know, it wasn't always perfect, but um, they got along really well, man. You know, they, they usually do. And when kids are bored enough and there's something to do like play in the woods, they will get over their boredom and go play in the woods. That's what I think. My kids will anyway. So anyway, they're out there exploring, playing in the woods, and they came back and they're like, guys, we built a doo-doo district. <laughs> we're like, what? And we, they take us out to their spot and they had created this like, almost like a fort in the woods, but it was like, the purpose of it was like, that's where they're going to use the bathroom. And they called it the doo-doo district. <laughs> and they like dug individual little holes that, that you could poop in. And they had these little, 
these little uh, piles of dirt to fill the hole back up with. And they had little moss sections cut out to cover the hole back up with. It was very like sustainable, you know, it's like, damn, you guys are, you guys know what you're doing out here. Like I like the doo-doo district and that I'll be honest with you. I used the doo-doo district and it was fantastic. It was very comfortable. It was a nice experience. It was, it was, it was the best, uh, forest bathroom experience I've ever had by far. <laughs> and while we were camped at this spot, we would do our homeschool, Rome school, and uh, we would drive back across the state line a few miles back into Idaho to this little town called Driggs, and we would go to the little public library there. And the kids would sit out there, and it was really cool. Um, the little librarian lady would come out and like bring us a snack and just say hi and bring a little book out for the, you know, we, we were doing our work outside on the little picnic tables and it was just cool. Like, I think she was happy to have somebody there anyway. And, and I remember just sitting out there with the, uh, at the picnic table and the kids are just like, everybody's kind of doing their thing, you know, like the kids, they get their pen and pencil out and they're, they're, they're working hard and studying. And I was just really proud of my crew. You know, it's just, my family is the exact freaking family that I wanted, man. <laughs> I got them, dude. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we would do homeschool and drigs. And then, um, you know, one day we came back from our homeschool day of, of being in Driggs. And as soon as we pulled back to the campground area where the camper was, it was clear that something had been in the camper or and not the camper, but the campground. And we're looking around and our little dry food tub was open and like our bread package was kind of torn up and scattered. And there was like paw marks on our cooler and it was pretty clear, like we originally were like, I wonder if a bear got in here, you know, and the bear wasn't able to get in the cooler. Um, shout out to Pelican Coolers, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was like, I wonder if this is a bear and we found a pile of bear poop and it was like, yep, that's a hundred percent bear poop. So that was, that was kind of wild. And later that afternoon, uh, we went on a little hike and I was a little nervous. I, I carried my gun with me on the hike, you know, I was like, I'm, you know, if, if shit goes down out here, I'm the last line of defense, you know, and I, I'm not trying to take out a bear with a rock, you know, I need to have something with a little firepower. Thankfully, um, that, that wasn't necessary. We didn't ever see the bear with our own two eyes. Um, but that was wild. The next day was finally going to be our day when we were going to drive into Grand Teton National Park itself and check it out. And it was just beautiful. Um, we, we walked around and had a, had a great time just exploring, driving around. We did eventually see a bear there, my first bear to see out, out in the wild. Uh, there was a, a, a little cub up in a tree, and there was all these people standing around watching it, a park ranger kind of keeping an eye on things. So we saw the bear, and we saw moose, and we saw elk, and we saw buffalo or bison, and just saw all the wildlife and just the insane just beauty and majesty of these mountains and but at the same time, it was kind of a rough day. Like people were kind of having bad attitudes. The kids were not into hiking anymore. And and it, was, it wasn't the best day of walking around this park. But me and Micaiah loved it. We made the most of it. And that night we went into Jackson Hole and ate dinner at this cool spot and kind of shopped around the little town a little bit. And, you know, we kind of redeemed the day in, in some way or another and, and had a good time. And, and, and then we had to pack up and head to our last stop on this trip which was uh, Veda Wu in Wyoming. Um, Veda Wu is a rock climbing area um, with like just these amazing boulders um, and just, uh, just north of the Colorado state line. 
and uh, my sister-in-law Moog um, and her boyfriend Mike came up to visit us. Uh, they were living in Fort Collins, um, Colorado, and so they, they they just drove up and, and met us in Wyoming. And so we got to have a few days there with with Moog, just having a good time again. It was a fun reunion um, since we had spent you know the first part of the year together, and now we're connecting back again in the fall. And you know the thing about being there in Veda Wu area, it was just. Um, it just felt like things were coming back together. You know, it felt like things are going to be okay, you know. And I remember waking up in Veda Wu and, and for some reason I just wanted to like be out of the camper early in the morning and drink my coffee outside because we had this cool campground area where we, it was just a beautiful, amazing, huge view, just just sort of see for miles. And, and I remember sitting out in the camp chair next to the camper with my coffee, and I had my little um, speaker playing uh, Van Morrison. I was listening to Van Morrison, just drinking my coffee in the morning. And the family and, and everybody was just kind of still sort of, uh, you know, waking up in the campers. And I'm listening to this song by Van Morrison called Listen to the Lion. And it's just a beautiful song, and I'm just sitting there thinking, looking out over the, um, you know, the horizon, kind of watching the the purple in the in the sunlight, kind of touching the sky, and the day start to wake up. And I just started thinking, like things are coming back together, man. And and this this line came to me from uh, from Lord of the Rings, the line that says, "Renewed shall be blade that was broken; the crownless again shall be king." And I was just like, oh, yes, like it was just like God was just saying to me, like, I am I'm still on top of things, man. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. We're going to make it. Dad knows the way home, man. We are going to make it, man. And this other line from a song came to me from this Misty Edwards song um, that said, though I scatter you, I will gather you. You know, it's just like, oh, this is true, man. Truth, truth is real and it's here and God is good and it's gonna come back together, man. I can feel it, man. I can feel it. A time is coming. A time is coming when when the plague that haunts our land will be over and we will sing and dance and be made new, man. Just like the sun that comes up over the hills. Every single day, the sun comes up once again and, and just an, an unfathomable act of mercy that God just says, like, I will shine upon you again, man. I will shine upon you, man. Good things are coming, beloved. And that's just the truth. And so being in this campground and kind of wrapping up this trip, that's just how I was feeling, man. That's just how, that's what was in my spirit. It was just, um, I felt hopeful again for the first time in a while. And, and, and that hopefulness, it just fueled me. It just filled me. And yeah, there was good days and bad days, you know, towards the end of this year, but the hope, you know, that little spark, you know, continued to shine. Um, and I just felt it and I just knew it and I believed it. Like things are coming, good things are coming, and we are going to bring this band of people back together again. Somehow, in some form or another, like God is working, man. Don't give up, don't give up. And really that was kind of the end of the year for us. It was just like all of a sudden we were looking across the divide into 2021, the year I would turn 40 
years old. And that's what we're going to talk about next time, you guys. Four decades of life and loss and love and magic. We've listened to it over these uh, 24 episodes, and there's one more to come. Thank you guys for listening to this. Thank you for your text messages and your love and encouragement after the last episode. Man, your love means the world to me. And with all my heart, I say thanks. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for going with me on these journeys. We got one more episode left and then we're going to wrap up this whole podcast. 2021, the year I turned 40 and there's some good fun things that happened in that year and I can't wait to tell you about it. Come back next week and let's close this thing out together, man. I'm looking forward to it and I hope you are too. Have a great week. We will catch you guys on Monday. Peace.